0: Welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending November 3rd, 2023. This week, Disney finally buys Hulu. Kinda. I'm Kim Hollis, who will keep going to McDonald's as long as there are new Disney 100 toys to hoard.
1: <laughs> At least you've got an excuse. I just go for whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> With me are Tim Brighty, content creator and gamer and World Series winner.
2: And I dare you to prove otherwise. Congrats. Oh, thanks.
0: Also, David Mumpower, author of Behind the Ride and streaming media analyst whose right time is now. That's right. Kim was Christmas
3: shopping for herself earlier on my dime, and the Christmas tree is going up as soon as the podcast is over, which may be news to Kim, but by (laughs) God, it's happening.
0: (laughs) And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burial, who got a rock.
1: Again. That's it. Next year, I'm hanging out in the pumpkin patch
0: with that weird kid. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) In our rapid fire this week, we'll be doing the rounds of stories from the world of streaming. We'll start with the biggest news as Disney confirmed that they'd be moving ahead with the purchase of Comcast's one third share of Hulu. That pretty much puts an end to the speculation about whether
1: Comcast would want Hulu to replace Peacock or whether there'd be some horse training involving Marvel's superhero characters at Universal theme parks. But it does open the door to new questions like just how much will the final price be? And will Disney now replace Star in overseas markets with Hulu?
3: Yeah, Roll has touched on something that, frankly, a lot of stories missed This doesn't have a set price yet, which is an unusual agreement. Disney and Comcast both had reasons to go ahead and push this deal forward. On Disney's end, Disney wants to go ahead and integrate Hulu into the Disney Plus app so that they can go ahead and take their final form for the content. This has been their streaming goal all along since the Fox acquisition in 2019, so it's been a long time coming. They didn't want to actually finish it until such time as they own 100% of Hulu. Couldn't do that until 2024, which was the original agreement they had with Comcast. Now, Comcast is looking at it going, Well, we know you're going to give us at least $8.61 billion. We'd like that money right now because we're noticing that the streaming sector is struggling, which means there's a lot of businesses available right now for much less than what they should be valued at. We'd like to use some capital to consider additional consolidation. So the two parties have just gone ahead and said, Fine, we'll go ahead and agree to this right now. But we won't name the final price. Instead, Disney has chosen somebody to represent them and come up with a fair market evaluation of Hulu. And then Comcast has done the same thing. So there's basically two different investment analysts looking at the property right now and trying to decide what the actual value is. And if they don't actually line up with their agreements, the two parties have agreed to arbitration where a third company will come in, they'll do an independent determination, and then that will actually be what both parties agree to, which means right now we still, after all this time and a finalized agreement, don't know how much Hulu was worth just that it's a minimum of $26.5 billion, still might go for $45 billion. I don't think it will. I'm thinking it's going to be in the low 30s. But Raul, this is actually a smart deal for Comcast and for Disney to go ahead and get out in front of this, isn't
1: it? That's right. There is some grounds for, especially Comcast, to be upset with Disney. As Disney, when they launched their box content on streaming overseas, instead of using the Hulu brand, they used the Star brand and Comcast was upset. They said that they were diminishing the value of Hulu by doing that. Comcast had assumed that Hulu was going to become an international brand and that would increase the value of it substantially. And the fact of the matter is that neither of them, neither Disney nor Comcast, cares enough anymore to really haggle about it. They are ready to have their investment bankers and ultimately arbitration, if necessary, resolve it sooner rather than later as they're both already looking past this agreement whatever it is it is let's go we've got business Disney's looking to do stuff with ESPN whether they want to sell part of it or bundle it up with somebody else they need to move ahead and put the Hulu business behind them Comcast is looking to shore up Peacock in some way and that might mean buying themselves another studio and that could be Warner Brothers Discovery come 2024 when the Justice Department's lean on the company essentially expires or it might be Paramount and we will be talking about Paramount shortly. But both of them are like, let's just get on with it. Whatever the numbers are, we need those numbers finalized so we can finally move on to other business. This has been languishing for a number of years. It's time for it to be done.
3: Yeah, and Roll has touched on something that is imperative to this conversation, which is Disney made a business decision a while ago. They realized the fact that they would just owe more money if they went ahead and expanded the Hulu brand internationally. In one of our earliest podcasts, we went into detail about how Hulu does not have an international presence. Instead, Disney went with Hotstar, aka in some places it's part of Star India, and the idea was go ahead and use the thing that has built-in international audiences now? Well, Disney might turn around and sell Star India. According to recent reports, it looks like they're going to do that for between 7 and $10 billion, depending on what ultimately happens. At that point, they'll no longer have Hot Star. They'll no longer have the marketplace penetration, at which point they can go ahead after avoiding five years and start building Hulu internationally, if that is their goal. Role? do you think that is their goal or not?
1: It all depends on how much traction Star picked up in overseas markets specifically in asian markets over the last couple of years if disney thinks that star just doesn't have that kind of cachet then they just might bury Star and forget it ever happened and then relaunch it as Hulu instead. And we'll remember that Hulu exists as a separate additional pricing tier in the United States while Star is bundled into Disney+. Plus. So this is an opportunity for Disney to say, here's a new streaming service with additional content that you can have if you pay us some more. So it is an opportunity for Disney to raise yet more subscriber revenue than they currently have. So relaunching Star as as an external
3: service in overseas markets might make some sense. And finally, the reason this move makes sense for Disney is because they're writing a check right now for $8.61 billion. Most people seem to believe ultimately Disney will pay Comcast even more than that. It's probably not going to be a lot more, like it won't be an amount that totals to $15 billion two installments. But Disney has effectively set up an installment plan for Hulu. They write the big Check now and then they'll write a smaller check later. And that's kind of a clever way to do this. Meanwhile, Comcast is very catch rich right now, and that matters to them because Raul has already touched on it. They're about ready to go shopping right now. Paramount is undervalued, not as undervalued as it was last week, as we're about to get to, but it remains undervalued, and Warner Brothers Discovery is just an absolute mess. Peacock appears to be beyond saving, at least in its current form, so they are going to have to spend more money to secure their streaming media fortress. That means they're going to need cash. They've got it now. This is one of those rare instances when two companies that are usually rubbing each other the wrong way have got together and said, let's not be our own worst enemies right now. Let's just work together and do something that makes sense for both parties. I commend everyone involved for this.
0: It was a bad week for HBO and Max as it was revealed that the cable channel and streamer had been tasking employees with creating fake accounts online to troll critics of their content. Let's remember
1: that HBO is a prestige network that many have respected for a number of years. And yet under Casey Bloys, they were going online and essentially... Picking fights with TV critics who did not like their content. This is really a black eye for a company that was once the most respected studio in Hollywood and has since undergone a dramatic fall under David Zaslav and Warner Bros. Discovery. This is an embarrassment and they should be ashamed of themselves.
3: People who are independent with their opinions are an absolute frustration in situations like this. And Casey Boys apparently spent part of his pandemic being an online troll, lying about his identity, and criticizing writers for having independent, accurate opinions about things that weren't very good. And by the way, when you look at the titles in question in this article, all of them were not hbo quality and that's really the problem is hbo has destroyed its own brand because david zasloff hasn't known what he's doing and because casey Bloys isn't as good as the people who were running hbo in the past no more no less but the lack of accountability in hollywood continues to amaze me
0: And the week wrapped up with news that subscribers to Max's legacy ad-free tier were getting emails telling them they'd be losing 4K streaming. If they wanted to keep it, they'd have to upgrade to the $19.99 a month ultimate plan. I'm not sure I am a
1: fan of the you could stay at your current tier, but you're going to get less service strategy. This is, in fact, what Amazon Prime Video is doing, where you will continue to pay the same price for Prime Video, but now you're going to get ads Uh, if they're going to change things, then they should make it so that they're going to raise the price. You, uh, you want to continue your service, you have to pay more. That's just how things work. For them to say, oh, the price is going to be the same, but you're going to lose functionality, I don't really like that.
3: I don't even understand how this works from a legal perspective because when you sign up for these subscriptions, you pay for a year in advance and it doesn't seem like they should be able to update terms of service to change your contract after you've signed it for a calendar year. So none of this makes sense to me. There are a lot of weird specific details about all these things that frankly don't get discussed in boardrooms because they're not considered at all. All that's looked at is the spreadsheet to generate revenue. And what this tells you is max is underachieving. Now we've known this. We've had a 33% price increase in this service in calendar 2023. So this is not a surprise in the least, but it does exemplify just how desperate they're getting. And Roel, I know you said this in a different forum, but you drilled it in my opinion. We're going to start talking about purge now, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I very much expect that we have hit that uh, period where a lot of streaming subscribers are going to start looking at all the services they're subscribed to, and they're going to start cutting back. Unlike, say, cable television, which is a chore to unsubscribe from, it's usually pretty easy to unsubscribe from a streaming service. We will start seeing some churn really soon. A lot of these services are going to probably start losing more subscribers than they can afford to lose. their accountants probably have done some math and determined, well we can raise the prices this much and afford to lose so many X subscribers and I think they they've miscalculated I think maybe that's why they try to pull this one where no no you can continue paying the same amount you're only gonna get less service Uh, but I don't know that that's really gonna work for them although I will add to what David was saying earlier this does sound like it's going to be affecting the month-to-month subscribers I am on a 12 month plan with Max right now and try as I might, I don't seem to have found that email from them. So I don't think that they can, in fact, reduce my service until my 12 months are over. But when it comes time to renew, I fully expect that they'll be renewing me both at a higher price and at an inferior service tier.
3: Yes, along those lines, Kim used to work for a company that had a business model that we would just rant and rave about because. I hated everything about it. And that was, they would perform price increases and price increases because they believed that there was a pressure point where people would keep paying for the service until they lost. I think it was, uh, Kim, am I remembering correctly? The the calculation suggested everything was fine until they lost half the customers. Something like that. Yeah. It was mind boggling to me how callous they were about customer retention and just everything that represents bad business pure and simple. And then you have this where Max is basically acknowledging the fact that it can't entice more subscribers. So it's only hope in the moment is to make current subscribers pay more for better features. That is not the way you create customer satisfaction, which means that is going to lead to churn over time. The hope would be the entire sector is increasing its prices. Maybe you'll continue to look good, but the problem is, at the moment, Max is pretty much the service providing the worst new content, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that. I believe even Peacock is creating better stuff. As a matter of fact, if I look back at this year, there was the HBO series about the Lakers that's since been canceled, and there was Harley Quinn. Nothing else is really resonating in my mind, and God only knows how many billion dollars they're paying for content. This is a problem, and this is not the solution they should be offering. If anything, they should be finding ways to improve their content delivery. It's just been a lingering issue with Max. How many years did we complain about the app before they fixed it? And then they broke it again, and now the current one's broken, and What are they going to do? They're going to make you get on a higher plan rather than fixing what's broken. What they're doing is bad, and we can only say it so many different ways, but they keep shooting themselves in the foot, so we have to keep talking about it.
2: It is funny how everyone is raising prices, though, because we are at that point now where it's like, how much can we get away with until people start to cancel or realize, oh, I can't afford all these streaming services. I'm going to cut. And we're we're definitely there. So, yeah, next next year is I feel like is going to be a lot of bad news when it comes to subscriber numbers.
0: On the other hand, it was a good week for Paramount as they reported strong quarterly earnings. They added. 2.7 million subscribers to hit 63 million globally wall street liked the news it's what we've been saying all along star trek
1: 24 7 now imagine if taylor sheridan directed a star trek series
2: Uh, i guess i have to revise it now to the star trek network featuring taylor sheridan (laughs)
1: The talk around Hollywood has been for some time now that uh, the Redstone family and Cherry Redstone, who runs Paramount, have been wanting to sell Paramount all along. But they also feel that the company is worth a lot more than the bids they've been getting. They tried to sell BET and then they pulled back on that when it appeared that the offers they were going to get weren't to their expectations. Although you would suggest that a company is worth only as much as someone is willing to pay for it. So maybe they feel their company is valued more than it really is. Then again, the stock price for Paramount went up dramatically this week in light of these quarterly earnings, and maybe now the company is really worth what the Redstones believe it is worth, and now they can field some serious offers. Question is then, who buys Paramount and what are they going to do with it?
3: Yeah, there was a comment in CNBC yesterday that I felt absolutely exemplified what we're witnessing in the streaming sector in totality. And that's for the week, Paramount stock went up 28.6%, which is incredible, which reflects the fact it was a tremendous fiscal quarter for them. And even after going up 28.6%, they're down 18% for the year. That's pretty much the industry right now. It really is.
1: Also, Microsoft, Microsoft buys Paramount.
0: And finally, there's more bad news for regional sports network, Bally Sports, as it was reported this week that subscribers to their streaming service were having difficulty signing in to watch their favorite NBA and NHL teams. It was also reported that ratings for games of the Vegas Golden Knights more than doubled since leaving their regional sports network, AT&T Sportsnet.
1: Now that's not a Bally Sports RSN and Warner Bros. Discovery has announced that they'd be shutting down the AT&T Sportsnet RSNs, but this is still in line with what we've been speculating since the Phoenix Suns try to leave Bally Sports. The television fan base for a sporting team is limited entirely to those who subscribe to a cable package that includes that team on an RSN. A decade ago, the idea may have been to deliver that RSN to everyone. And and rake in the cash. But as the cost of carrying that RSN for a cable provider skyrocketed, fewer and fewer people wanted to pay for it and they cut the cord. That's how you kill a fan base. The Phoenix Suns wanted to jump to broadcast TV, which basically guaranteed that anyone with a TV in the immediate geographic area of the team could watch their games. Plus, they would launch a streaming service so anyone outside the market could still watch the games if they wanted to. This strategy has worked for the vegas knights and is a model now for other teams moving forward as the rsn model collapses of course it doesn't hurt that the vegas golden knights won the stanley cup last year but it's important to note that one thing you need in order for this to work is a streaming
3: app that works So you're saying that if you fire all your employees, you wind up with an app that doesn't work well and thereby cannot generate revenue because you keep having to do refunds. Is that your argument?
1: Bally Sports and its parent company, Diamond Sports, is in a tough spot. They have no money. There's no indication yet as to what happened. But when a number of subscribers to regional sports network apps across the country tried to watch their NBA and NHL games this week, they could not sign in. Something was definitely broken. And the finger pointing will clearly direct your attention to the fact that there's been a lot of cost cutting going on for a company that is currently in bankruptcy court.
3: Yeah, let's go ahead and personalize it so that everyone understands. This is the equivalent of you go to your ATM and you can't withdraw money because you have a negative balance and you're trying to pay your credit cards with other credit cards. That's where they're at in this. And what we're witnessing right now is not a surprise when you consider just how little cash they have on hand. And for the record, I thought Tim won the Stanley Cup the last year. (laughs) I possibly, yes. You've had a great year, Tim.
0: (laughs) In a related story, Sinclair Broadcasting is looking into buying up the Bally Sports RSNs and its parent company, Diamond Sports.
3: <laughs> what? <See? Yeah. laughs>
1: All right, follow me here. Sinclair originally bought the Fox Sports RSNs from Disney when the Department of Justice made the spinoff, a stipulation of... Disney's purchase of Fox. Sinclair dubbed them Bally Sports, but then soon realized what a bad deal this was and spun off the RSNs into a new company called Diamond Sports and burdened it with a bunch of debt carried over from the purchase. Diamond Sports soon went bankrupt under the weight of their sports contracts and debt and the constant contraction of the cable industry. They remain in bankruptcy court to this day, trying to negotiate a plan for survival that will likely result in lower payments to the leagues, including the NBA and the NHL. Diamond Sports has also sued their parent, Sinclair, claiming that they're owed money. And Sinclair thinks that, yeah, now that we've rid ourselves of all this debt and burden, we can buy the company back for pennies on
3: the dollar. That's balls. Do we have any guess how legal this is? Yeah, your silence is deafening there. There's no way that the professional sports leagues would go along with this, and they're not going to renew rights after what has happened. But this is one of those stories where you have to really almost admire what a con job this is. This is straight out of Wolf of Wall Street, isn't it?
1: It's certainly bold to have spun off a company, put all your debt onto that company, let it go bankrupt and then come back and buy it back for a fraction of its original value. That's you could do that. I didn't realize you could do that. I've got some ideas for
3: Monday morning. I mean, I don't know how the lawsuits are going to work on this, but I'm telling you, I've been following business for a long time. This was a first for me. I, I was just flabbergasted.
0: Okay, Tim, I think we have just a little bit to talk about with regards to box office before we move over to the ratings.
2: Yeah, we just kind of need to talk about Five Nights at Freddy's again, which came in with 80 million for the weekend, which I, I think that's actually what I what I expected based on when we had the, the Friday and Saturday numbers last week. And yeah, that's what it landed out at. So, of course, it was front-loaded. It did have an 86% Friday to Friday decline to 5.4 million this Friday. So that puts it like right at hundred million as we record this, but who the heck cares?
3: We all knew this was going to earn hundred million in theaters, right? Oh yeah.
2: Yes, without a doubt. And again, it, it's a big collapse in the second weekend because you can also watch it on Peacock as it went day and day. But this doesn't matter. This cost 20 million to make. This is a huge, huge win for Universal. And we thought this was the last weekend for the Eras Tour, but it's still there. Another 3.6 million. It's at 156 million to date. That was the ceiling for when we were talking about its potential opening, which that did not come to pass, but it's it's hung in there Actually, a little bit better than I thought.
0: All right. With all that covered, let's go ahead and move on to the ratings.
2: Okay. Uh, these are the Nielsen Stream ratings for we think Monday, October 2nd to Sunday, October 8th, 2023. Thank you, Nielsen, for updating your site and removing the date. I remain disappointed in all of you because your top original show for the week is still Love is Blind, 821 million minutes for 68 episodes. Of course, this is currently the middle of its fifth season. Four episodes arrived on the 22nd of September, three more on the 29th, two more on October 6th. So here we we are and then there was a finale on the 13th and the 15th with one more episode each so it's gonna be there again but at least it's slightly less ickier than some of their other shows you're meeting the person without meeting them in person but yeah it's it still makes me upset that this is our top show we have two finales in second and third first from disney plus in second ahsoka 575 million minutes for eight episodes the final episode of the first season arriving on October 3rd, I'm in there pretty well through its season, came in pretty strong at the start, but then kind of just plateaued. But I think that's kind of to be expected. Well, our other season finale, whose only murders in the building is third, 563 million minutes for 30 total episodes. And yay, that will have a fourth season. New in fourth from Netflix is Beckham, a docuseries, of course, on the soccer player, four episodes, 519 million minutes. Oh, this came on October 4th. So this was the middle of the week. So it probably will drop from here. But that's definitely solid. I was able to do that. He is still one of the more famous uh, soccer players. Uh, fifth, Virgin River from Netflix, 485 million minutes. Uh, but new in sixth, 446 million minutes, seven episodes for Loki from Disney+. Plus. The first episode of season two dropped on October 5th. Everyone that I know who's watched this has loved this, so I expect it to do even better than the first season.
3: Yeah, we're definitely wholeheartedly swearing this is a brilliant season of television, but that's down from the first season, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I believe it is. I, I don't recall how one, the, the first season actually goes back to the summer of 2021 so it actually has been a while but yeah i feel like that came out with more but is it because marvel series are less special is it because secret invasion sucked and people are now backing away from the the marvel series on disney plus
3: i think there's several things at play here the most important one is when loki got more than 700 million minutes its first four days in 2021, it was coming out on Wednesdays. This came out late on mm-hmm. Thursday. It came out at 9 p.m. They didn't screen it earlier. Oh, so wow. it had the extra day on the charts. But the other thing is, you're right. Secret Invasion has hurt the brand. Mania has hurt the brand. Marvel is in a bit of flux right now. A lot of people are mad at it because it hasn't been delivering the content. And the other thing is, people were trapped in their homes when Loki Season 1 came out. They're not anymore. So competition works differently.
2: And we are next weekend, we do get the Marvels in theaters. I don't know how that's going to do, to be honest.
3: Yeah, if you believe the tracking, it is going to struggle. And since Captain Marvel was such a blockbuster hit, it's going to look that much worse by comparison. The interesting thing is going to be whether or not Marvel can get what it wants here, because there's supposedly something that happens at the end of season two of Loki that will tie into something in the Marvels that will also set the table for Deadpool 3. And I'm not even going to speculate what that would be. But if they get people talking about what's next rather than focusing on what just happened, happen that's going to be a win for them and if not it's going to be a chilly few months for the mcu would they really
2: tie something in so yeah loki is not complete yet there is one more episode to go the final episode will come out on the 9th so is are they really going to have something that ties in directly to the marvels yes wow okay that's that's interesting
3: supposedly at a minimum it will tie in to deadpool 3 Okay. Which is strange because Deadpool hasn't been in the MCU yet, but they are definitely setting the table for where they're going with Secret Wars. And to do that, there has to be an interconnectivity, just like we saw when we had, you know, Thor, Captain America, and the Iron Man films. Everything has to start tying together. And what I'm hearing they're going to do, it intrigues me. I'll have to wait and see whether or not I'm the minority here.
2: And also, it it is a bit of a gamble if they tie something into Deadpool 3 because that's currently slated for first weekend of May next year. But I think they still haven't finished filming it.
3: Yeah, it's not going to. You can go ahead and just assume right now the first weekend of May will be Captain America, Brave New World instead. Deadpool is probably going to be looking at November of 2024 would be my guess at this point. And the way it's looking just from what I'm seeing and hearing that's going to be the film that reminds people of how great Marvel can be.
2: All right. So now I am I am very curious to see how Loki does over the next month. Plus, the ratings uh, sex education from Netflix has been here a couple weeks now. That's seven, four hundred forty three million minutes and thirty two episodes. Uh, returning in eighth, Lupin, four hundred thirty six million minutes for 16 episodes. The third season arrived on October 5th. Seven more episodes. We wrap up originals with two shows from Prime Video. Wheel of Time is ninth, four hundred thirty million minutes for sixteen episodes, and we saw arrive last week. Gen V, three hundred seventy-eight million minutes for four episodes. That is, they're both adding episodes weekly through the month.
3: In terms of bang for the buck, they're definitely getting a better deal on Gen V, aren't they? Oh yes, absolutely. Yes, Wheel of Time is a
2: big sunk cost at this at this point. That. That is absolutely also locked in for a third season, apparently, uh, but costs way more to make than what Gen V does. All right, Movies is a little interesting this week. It is led by Disney Plus and Haunted Mansion, 992 million minutes. So after a extremely disappointing theatrical run, this is is okay. It arrived on October 4th on Disney Plus.
1: As much as I would have liked to have seen this movie in theaters at Halloween, I think it's just now starting to pick up steam for the big Halloween push on Disney Plus and watch for it to do well over the next couple of weeks as we come up on the haunted season.
3: Do we know how well it trended through the through the month on Disney Plus? Let's just say that it's no hocus pocus. This has been the plan all along was they were going to have Haunted Mansion in theaters in July. And then they hoped it would dominate uh, on streaming in October. And I think you can tell by this starter number, it's not going to do that. We saw with Elemental what mm-hmm. we would expect from a genuine blockbuster on Disney Plus. This is on a par with what, week two? Of elemental, maybe yep. even week three. So it, it is definitely not explosive in the way that one. However, Rolls right, this was early October. Maybe it can maintain. It's kind of hard to quantify what we're seeing with trending on Disney Plus, just because Loki is going to be there, Bluey is going to be there, the Simpsons is especially going to be there. As a matter of fact, the Simpsons will chart this month and acquired, which it hasn't done for a while because everybody goes through Treehouse at the RC. So we're already seeing that. So I don't know if something is consistently seventh, eighth on Disney Plus, if that means it's doing well or not in October, because, you know, everyone watches Hocus Pocus religiously. <laughs> everyone watches. We'll just go ahead and spoil it. Nightmare Before Christmas, which is number nine on this list. And we hadn't seen it since. Oh, I don't know. Last October. Last October.
2: Right. Last- yeah, it does just make me think that Disney, they misfired with this one. They either try to put it in theaters in October, beginning of October. So you had the whole month and then, you know, you get the Five Nights at Freddy's for this, the scary stuff at the end of the month so they don't cannibalize each other or overlap, or you just throw it directly on, on Disney Plus because this will still go down as a big flop for Disney. Second from Netflix, Reptile. We saw that arrive last week, 838 million minutes. So that's that's a pretty solid jump. Elemental still holding on pretty well, 621 million minutes in third. Nowhere from Netflix. So we saw that last week is fourth, 475 million minutes. And then, of course, because we have flipped the calendar to October in the ratings, we get some weird stuff. Fifth is Las Vegas, 319 million minutes. Yes, the uh, movie with a bunch of old people. Let's see uh, who we got. Robert De Niro, Michael Douglas, Morgan Freeman from 2013. Of course it is. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, I guess it came back to Netflix on October 1st, as did Casper, which at least I guess I can excuse that. Yes, this is the 1995 version because that's here too. That's that's in six, 298 million minutes. Mm And your David Zaslav wants money uh, (laughs) movie or show of the week is Dune in seventh, 272 million minutes. No, people were not highly anticipating the sequel, which was supposed to be out in theaters Well, actually this weekend that we're recording this. No, it it went from Max to Netflix on October 1st.
1: Yep. This is where Netflix spun the wheel and decided, hmm, which Warner Brothers Discovery movie or series are we going to turn into a hit this week? And the wheel fell on Dune.
2: (laughs) I imagine this was probably planned all along because it had been exclusive to Max until you know till till this point. It had been almost two years, and then we were supposed to get the sequel in November. So I'm sure this was this was arranged. But yeah, it's, it's just funny how these things show up on Netflix and do better than they ever did on Max. Eighth, speaking of Max, Meg to the Trench still here, two hundred fifty million minutes, so you know down down a bit, but that's be expected. If this ever goes to Netflix, I'm sure it will do much better. And returning in ninth from yes, from from last year, The Night Before Christmas, two hundred forty five million minutes. This covered yes, the first week of October, so give it a month and watch out. I am super excited for about three weeks from now when we get we'll, we'll have this, we'll have Hocus Pocus one and two most likely, and Peacock numbers for Five Nights at Freddy's dominating the movies ratings. I am excited. Intense, something new from Netflix, Fair Play, uh, 235 million minutes. I feel like I heard a bunch about this. I guess it was supposed to contend for awards or it was just actually, you know, good. But uh, I feel like I had people talking about this. It is a psychological thriller starring, let's see, Alden Ironreich, Phoebe Dynevor, Eddie Marson, and Rich Sommer.
1: I've heard the same buzz you have, Tim. This is supposed to be some kind of Oscar bait project, but at the same time, I don't get it.
2: Yeah, just something I heard tossed around from film Twitter. I guess you, you could call it as though it's it's actually pretty good. But yeah, I'm sure we'll get lost in the shuffle come awards time because it's a little, little too early for that still. Uh, Acquired is 10 shows we have seen before. Still, once again, led by Suits. 1.2 billion minutes to lead the way. Grey's Anatomy is second and with 1 billion minutes. i um, 417 episodes, so I'm going to guess the most recent season of it just arrived on Netflix, probably just in time for the new season. And this is purely coincidental, and I'm curious to see what happens in about a month from now, but uh, ninth from from Max, of course, uh, Friends, 424 million minutes for 235 episodes. Of course, these ratings are weeks behind, so it is purely coincidental that it's here on the next set of ratings uh, after you know Matthew Perry's death. Uh, that's all I've got this week. Not a whole lot of excitement. More anticipation for future weeks. I do want to see what Loki does, see what Haunted Mansion does throughout the month, and let's watch the rise of The Nightmare Before Christmas, and I'm sure the Hocus Pocus movies over the next couple weeks.
0: All right. Thank you, Tim. This week on Green Lights and Cancellations, Warner Brothers Discovery is still sending movies to streaming on Max, but only the bad ones, as the Stephen King project, Salem's Lot, is now slated to come to the streamer instead of theaters.
1: This was, of course, the second attempt to turn. The Stephen King novel Salem's Lot into a movie and apparently it's going to be as well received as the first one and we're going to have to wait probably another few decades for them to try again. But yeah, at this point, I suspect that Warner Bros. Discovery would rather have taken the tax write-off, but that ship has sailed and so Salem's Lot's going to streaming instead.
0: Also, Prime Video was happy enough with the second season of Good Omens that they've greenlit a third season. Get to writing, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> I guess he can now, can't he? <laughs>
2: yes, he can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hulu's got some good news, everyone, as they've renewed Futurama for two more seasons. Yes! Yes! <laughs> They've also indicated that Letterkenny will end with season 12. I do wonder how much influence Hulu had on that decision,
1: as Letterkenny is a Canadian production, and after 12 seasons, they they may have run their course on the material. Although, of course, each season is like, what, six episodes? So it's Mm -hmm. not like it was a lot of content, but the jokes I feel are starting to get a little stale.
3: This also means I only have one year remaining to figure out what letter Kenny is. And I've watched two full seasons of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Paramount Plus has figured out what works and what doesn't, as they've announced that they won't be moving ahead with second seasons of Fatal Attraction or Rabbit Hole. But there's plenty more Yellowstone to come. (laughs) Uh,
1: Rabbit Hole was that uh, Kiefer Sutherland drama where he basically plays the same character he's been playing in most dramas since 24. It never really clicked, and Fiddle Attraction only really benefited from the name brand attention. Evidently, it never really made it very far. Yellowstone, on the other hand, of course, they haven't actually filmed (laughs) the final episodes of the Mothership series as there does remain an actor strike. And those episodes, when they do air, will air on Peacock, and that is Paramount's Folly. But when that does finally wrap up, and the indications are right now that Kevin Costner will not be appearing in those when they do wrap up, they will be moving ahead with two more spinoffs called 1944 and 2024. Presumably 2024 will become the new Mothership series, maybe even with Matthew McConaughey in it, but there are a few details right now.
2: All your years belong to Taylor Sheridan.
0: (laughs) As always, we wrap up the show with what's been keeping us busy over the past week. And I'm just going to go ahead and return to one that we talked about last week, and that's Trillion Game. That was David's topic really last week. I've watched all but the final two episodes and I love it. I am here to tell you to watch the show. Please watch the show. It is just pure delight. It's so fun. The leads are fantastic. This is a show that really just deserves to spread like wildfire. Raul, how about you? I had a
1: Hulu night last night as I watched a couple of movies on that streaming service. I watched A Haunting in Venice. That's the Kenneth Branagh Hercule Poirot movie that came out to to theaters this summer. Uh, We evidently didn't realize it had come to streaming, but I was delighted to learn that it was on streaming. This is very much a Halloween movie. It is set during Halloween in Venice. I seem to have a soft spot for Kenneth Branagh. A lot of people seem to be very critical of both his Acting and his directing. But for what it was, it was a nice little Agatha Christie murder mystery. And uh, I think it might even be worth rewatching in future Halloweens. And I also watched Quiz Lady, which is a kind of buddy comedy starring Aquafina and Sandra O oh as sisters, where Aquafina needs to compete on a television quiz show in order to win some money and rescue her dog from kidnappers. I liked Quiz Lady. quite a lot. It was a very nice and heartwarming story, although I feel Sandra Oh was miscast. It's hard to see her as Aquafina's older sister. I feel like they were trying to go for something different with this. Sandra Oh, not taking anything away from her. She's a great actress and she did the best with what she could with that role, but it really wasn't the right role for her. And weirdly, Aquafina here plays the, the straight person in a comedy, which again is unusual. I don't understand why they keep casting comedians as the straight person, but she was great. And the payoff at the end is really rewarding. I like that movie quite a lot and I'm disappointed it never made it to theaters.
2: And Tim, how about you? So look, we, we all honor people in our own ways, and with the unfortunate death of Matthew Perry last week, I decided the best way was not to watch Friends on Max, because that would require subscribing to Max, which I'm not going to do. Uh, but to fire up an old standby for the first time in a few years, Fallout New Vegas, because he voices and actually provides a likeness for the character who's the primary antagonist, I guess, or the person you're looking for in the first half of the game. It turns out he was such a huge fan of the series that when they were making this game, they asked him if they want to do a voice and he you know, immediately jumped at it. I was like, oh, you know, I haven't played this in a few years and there were certainly homages and memes i saw online posted about it so i'm like yeah i, I want to play this game again to get back into it i've talked about it before there's like a million add-ons and mods for it now so it for a i think 13 year old game at this point it looks much better it's still actively maintained by uh big fans of it if you are looking for a show to honor him though do watch go on which i did find is somewhere on streaming would you like to guess where
3: i'm gonna guess peacock nope it's on the nbc app and i know this because that was going to be my recommendation okay it is also on the Roku channel oh Well, that's even better. Mm -hmm. So watch that instead. Yeah, seriously. That will help with the healing process because the show is literally about people who've lost loved ones and they're grieving, and it's like a final gift from him. It really is. And it was one of the best one-season shows of the 21st century. And Tim, I know we've been saying this for ages now. It's just criminal this wasn't renewed, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it it was such a shame because it had it had so much potential. The first season was fantastic. And I, I really wish it had gotten another shot
3: and then i'll close this out by saying i've talked too much this episode so i watched gen v i've seen the season finale of gen v and i'm kicking myself because i was an idiot because there was something i should have seen coming a mile away and instead they surprised me so well done gen v and i'm an idiot
0: Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at StreamingVoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider becoming a supporter on Patreon at Patreon.com streamingvoid Be sure to watch for us again next week.